morning. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for bringing us here today as we spend some time together. Just think about it for a minute. We're in awe. You're eternal. You move around in history. In fact, history is your story. Lord God, thank you for making us a part of your story. Reveal yourself and your will to us today. And may we worship you and carry out your will. Pray this in the powerful and saving name of Jesus. Amen. What an honor and privilege it is to be able to be here with you today and celebrate 100 years of God's matchless grace. I don't know if you've had the opportunity or not to read Pastor Chris Royce's history, 100-year history of the chapel, uh, but it is really amazing. It is really good, insightful, and, and a good read and everything. I hope you'll take the time to do it. As I was reading through this history that, that he so masterfully wrote, what I noticed, maybe you saw it in the video too, was that there were three pastors in a row that were pastors here at chapel, and when they left the chapel, they went into uh, either being a college professor or a seminary professor and, and things like that. And as I'm reading it, I'm going, oh my goodness, man, that's nothing like me. I'm not like that at all, you know? And, and so I keep on reading a part of this history of the chapel, and, and the next pastor is, is Pastor Trapp, and as he and Carol are here, their first days and, and stuff like that, Jerry Siegman uh, comes to them and says, you know, the last three guys left here, and they, they went into academics. And Carol jumped in right away and said, well, that's not going to happen with Tom. He's not like that at all. And so I'm thinking, oh my goodness, maybe that's one of the reasons why P.T. and I got along together so well. well I want you to know that I was blessed, super blessed to, to be able to be here at chapel for four years. And, and even though it was only four years, it's like I have a hundred years worth of memories. I remember one of my first memories when I came to chapel right after I'd been installed. I didn't live in Madison yet. I was still transitioning, and I, I came to what was known as like the, the second last Vespers or whatever, the school year in May. And, and so as I, I walked into the chapel doors, there was a lot of buzzing going on, right? The, the students were pretty anxious because they had finals that they were studying for, and the students were pretty uh, filled, much filled with anticipation because they couldn't wait for summer to get here. And, and so into that buzz of activity, I come in and I, I walk up the stairwell and I smell cinnamon rolls baking. The house fellows had made cinnamon rolls for the Vesper snack. And I'm thinking, yeah, baby, this is good. You know, I'm home. And while I was here, and I know way before I was here and, and still today, that this is home for so many. Tons of memories, right? I, I love the whole Madison atmosphere. 
uh, Badger football and basketball and, and hockey games and things like that. Times when Bucky would come to chapel. I remember one time when Bucky was at, at chapel, I dared him to slide down the uh, stair railing. Uh, and if you know Bucky, you know that wasn't much of a dare. I didn't have to twist his arm at all. He just hopped on there and just zipped down that stair railing so fast. It was unbelievable. But then... Uh, you probably never really noticed because you're not that tall and stuff, but there's a cement overhang that's on the stairs, and Bucky went poof, right into that cement overhang with his head. I felt bad, man. I think Bucky felt worse. <laughs> there, there's still a, a couple of little marks there on that cement overhang. My apologies to the building committee. Right. Then there was the time, too, that, that Bucky was here for counseling, uh, my counseling, not his. He came into my office. He sat on my side of the desk. I sat on the other side of the desk, and we talked. Well, well, I talked. He mostly just nodded. He was a great listener, though, great listener. Tons of memories. Um, worshiping here at chapel with all the musical talent, the the choirs and everything, just phenomenal. Uh, prayer time on Tuesdays at lunch, get together and pray for the students and, and a whole lot of other things through, throughout the world. Vespers, boy, I love Vespers. Uh, that was so, so tough for me. Wednesday nights, we'd have Vespers. I'd go home, I'd just be buzzing. I, I'd take Thursdays off because I just never could get to sleep on Wednesday night. Candlelight Vespers around Christmas time too, just super special and amazing. Opportunities to baptize infants and students and, and international families and everything, just amazing. What a tremendous blessing. Again, just memories galore, including a whole lot of weddings. All those blessings, all those blessings simply because God is in this place. God is here, and his gracious hand reaches out to us. Uh, a question I, I have for you is, is, what's a memory that you have of chapel or campus ministry? I'd ask you to share that with others, but some of us, as we're beginning a, a new school year, chapels may be new to us and be really uncomfortable and, and stuff, and you're just beginning to make memories now here at chapel. And for others of us, if I'd ask you to, you know, share some of your memories with chapel and campus ministry and stuff, you have so many, you don't really know where to start at. And besides that, too, if I asked you to share, then some of you would turn around you know, and then there would be the little dinging from that metal thing that holds the chairs. You guys ever hear that in the middle of worship? Ding. It's one of those memories. Well, as we gather here for worship and celebrate the 100th anniversary of campus ministry, we're using Psalm 90 to have God reveal himself to us. We've shared some of it on the screen, and let's look back on some of those verses now. It says, Lord, through all generations... You have been our home. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, you are God. With these words, Moses acknowledges that in this, this 
big world, God has made a home for us. And, and with these words, Moses acknowledges something that sometimes, at least I, maybe you too, but I know I, sometimes we forget how big God is. And we make him kind of small. And so our problems and the struggles and the difficulties that we're going through look really, really big because we've made God or tried to make God kind of small. A couple months ago, a friend of mine asked me, well, how big is God? I responded to him, well, that, that sounds like a quantum physics question right? And you already know that I'm not going to be able to answer that question, right? But let me just share some of this with you, and, and maybe it'll make sense to you that, that we worship a really big God, okay? I think from little on, a lot of us are taught uh, in science class that the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second, and so that means with the sun at, at 93 million miles away that the light leaves that sun and comes and shines through our window here at chapel in just over eight minutes, like eight minutes and 20 seconds. Light travel 93 million miles in just over eight minutes, about the, the time that you and I can walk from here to the terrace. And God's looking at that going, yeah, I know. I, I see that all the time. I'm told that for you and me, right, our, our, the sun is really big to us, but there are 960,000 earths would fit into the sun. And then think about it. On the earth right now, roughly 7.8 billion people are alive on the face of the earth right now. And you and I are one of those, and 960,000 of those would fit into the sun. And that really doesn't even make a mark on, on God's hand. See, God is really, really big. The, the little cul-de-sac that, that we live in, we just kind of revolve around the sun in this bigger subdivision of the world known as the Milky Way. And I'm told, too, that the Milky Way is so big that it would take 100,000 light years, 100,000 years ago and 5.88 trillion miles a second to go from one side of the Milky Way to the other. And God's going, yeah, I, I know. I, I just kind of breathed that into existence. So God is really big. Sometimes we try to make him smaller than he is. As we think about the, the sun, because that's this big spot in, in our little cul-de-sac, understand that there's bigger stars out there, billions of stars in the Milky Way galaxy. One Betelgeuse is, is 427, not million miles away, but 427 light years away. And I'm told that 262 trillion Earths would fit inside of Betelgeuse. I, I know. I got that right with me. And, and Betelgeuse isn't the biggest star, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, to my knowledge, the biggest star that we know of is Canis Majoris and seven quadrillion Earths would fit inside that star. And God's going, yeah, I, I know, I, I breathed all that into existence. See, God is, is really, really big. It's no wonder that those, those original pioneers of campus ministry couldn't wait together around and worship God because he is worthy of worship. He is way big. He is huge. And not only is, is God really big, he clearly sees us. We're not lost in the, the 7.8 billion people or so. We're not lost in the distance. He is, he is nearby. But one of the things that that means is what we learn about in Psalm 90 again. It says, you spread out our sins before you, our secret sins, and you see them all. God sees Everything, including sin. Sin is messed up. Sin will jack you up. It has. Every confusion, every hurt, every bewilderment, every loneliness, every struggle, every trial will find itself either in sin itself or the consequences of sin. In fact, Scripture tells us, God tells us, the wages of sin is so bad that it's actually death. So we think back to, to Moses' life, the one who God, the Holy Spirit, used to author Psalm 90. We can see how sin messed up his life. He was born in secret, the thing that we normally celebrate with great joy. You know, we have a child, we have a grandchild, you know, all this. Moses is born in secret because Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, wants to kill all the little Israelite boys. And so he's born in secret. Ends up getting raised in Pharaoh's family. Moses grows up then to be a, a prince of Egypt and then protector of his ethnicity. Great, great cause, great thing. But, but then that went overboard and Moses sinned committing murder. Then he had to run away, self-imposed exile. And then when he got back, you know, God's calling him back, calling him into to ministry. They got the burning bush and, and things like that. And, and God says, I'm going to use you to lead my people Israel out of slavery. And, and Moses is like, no, I, I can't talk in front of people. You know, I can't talk in front of people, God, but I can talk back to you. Oops. Sin. And God uses Moses Uses them to be a leader while they're in slavery in Egypt. That's going to be the plagues and, and all the stuff that's involved with that, all the sin that's there and, and things like that. And then God uses Moses as the leader as they come out of Egypt and make their way toward the promised land. They get the Ten Commandments. There's all this rebellion going on too. And Moses sins and, and sins to the degree that he's not allowed to go into the promised land either. Uh, but that's all way back then. What about you and me? God sees our, our sin too. 
Uh, if you're like me, often we try to go, well, it's not that big a deal. You know, it, certainly there's an excuse card for me. Uh, we think we can hide it, and, and maybe we can't hide it from family, friends, our, our professors, or whatever it might be, but we can't hide it from God, and God's a God of justice. God cannot stand any injustice. And as I've mentioned, God says the wages of sin is death. God is really big, and he's a God of justice. And as God sees us, not only did he breathe into existence the whole universe, he breathes into you and me his word, his love, his promise of salvation. And so into the messiness and the sinfulness of our world, God, this really big God, takes on human flesh, lives among us in this little bitty corner of the world, little bitty corner of the world, lives a perfect life. We get credit for it. And he dies to pay for our sin death. God's justice is overwhelmed by God's mercy on a cross. This really, really big God, maybe bigger than you thought of, really does love you intimately and really loves all people in the exact same way. God is really big and he is really gracious to us. And because of that, we can anticipate blessings going forward. Psalm 90 says, Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. See, Moses didn't get to go into the promised land. And, and a lot of people have problems. They just struggle with that. He did so much. Yeah, he messed up. He did so much. Don't feel bad for Moses. He didn't get to go into the earthly promised land, but he did get to go into the heavenly promised land, which is better by far. God, you see, is always doing way more than we ask or imagine. A lot has changed in the last hundred years, and a lot hasn't. Practices and methods have changed, but God and who he is, this really big God, this really gracious God who is with us and always doing way more than we get, he hasn't changed at all. And neither has our mission here at chapel, to know Jesus Christ and to make him known on campus. As we look back over that hundred years, the original impetus of campus ministry was to make this safe haven for college students, Christian college students. They went off to the good, the bad, and the ugly of university life. 
the student council there, they, they quickly realized that just having a, a gathering spot for worship, that wasn't enough. They, they needed a spot where they could have community throughout the week. So we have this now for throughout the week as well. The student council also led the way as they showed, you know, uh, another blessing from God. What was happening through that student council is the chapel, the, the ministry began to realize that this actually was a lay ministry seminary. That campus ministry was training future leaders of Christian congregations throughout the nation and the world. And I want you to know, that's a huge blessing. And I want you to know that what you do makes a difference. And what you're learning and growing in is going to make a difference in the future. I, I want you to know. See, at Victory, where I'm at right now, I've got a couple of lay leaders here right now that had their start here. And I've got another family, too, that were house fellows. See, God always does way more than we ask or imagine. The international ministry began to, right, to, to make a, come to find out, a, a safe place for those who were really far away from home. For those who, who didn't know who Jesus was, they may not even have heard his name, let alone began to understand who he really is. And that's actually a really good segue to where we're at today. Today's college student, right? Generation Z. In a recent study by Barna Research and the American Bible Society, they talked about 66% of college-age students today have a precarious relationship with the Bible. Uh, and basically what they were meaning by that is they have no relationship with the Bible. They don't even care that it exists. It's not a factor at all. 34% of college-age students do. They're, they're Bible users. And, and while that's not great, that doesn't sound so bad, right? 34%. You know, if you're in Major League Baseball and you're batting 340, you're making millions of dollars. Doesn't sound so bad. Until you realize what Barna and the American Bible Society were using as their definition of a user. A user, according to their definition, is someone who uses the Bible three or four times. Not a week, um, not a day, not a month, but a year. That's the setting today for campus ministry. If we're not careful, we can feel overwhelmed and, and feel like it's hopeless until we remember that God is really, really big and that God is really gracious and that God is with us and always doing way more than we ask or imagine. You see, our, our God, our help in ages past is our hope for years to come.
Christ in us. The almighty, powerful God in us will lead the way. And so Psalm 90 closes with these words. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. We have a really big God who's really gracious, who's always doing way more, way more than you can ask or imagine. P.T. and his farewell message, we'll see it up on the, the screen here in just a minute, one of the videos, and, and I would read it to you, but I'd cry. His final part of his message simply was this. Carry on, chapel, and God bless you. I'll close with the words that PT used for my installation service here and ask that you use that as your guide in your life and for your future ministry. From Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And God will do way more than you ask or imagine. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for always being at work. Thank you for being way bigger than anything we'll ever run into. Thank you for being not only our Lord and God, but our Savior as well. Lord God, fill us with your spirit through your word and sacrament. And lead us to be in awe of who you are. And be in awe of things that are beyond our understanding. Because you're at work not only in this place, but in our own individual hearts as well. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.